You ever wish there was more in life? Why are we here? What is our purpose? Is there a meaning? These are all questions that we ask ourselves that cause us to lose sleep at night. And the Bible gives us answers to those very questions. God's word is where we can start and where we can learn and where we can grow. God's word is like a loaf of bread. We can take pieces of God's word and learn so much and be able to change our lives and grow in him. I'm Christian and in this podcast, we are gonna search and we are gonna look at the scriptures and look at what it means to have a piece of the bread. Look what it means to live a godly life, to be changed, to learn and to grow. God's word is like a loaf of bread. Are you willing to take a piece of it with me? Are you willing to look at scripture and analyze your life, see which ways you can change and which ways you can grow? I'm Christian, and this is a piece of the bread podcast, bringing you a piece of God's word. Welcome back to another episode of a piece of the bread podcast. I'm your host, Christian, and we are talking about ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the Bible. And today I'm joined with uh, Cooper and Teresa, my brother-in-law and my sister. I uh, twisted their arm to get them on the show today, and so I'm excited that they're on a piece of the bread today. Um, Anyway, I'm going to turn it over to you guys, and you guys kind of just explain how you know me and and what you do, and and yeah, we'll go from there. Hey, Christian, how you doing, buddy? You kind of explained it. You kind of explained it on yourself, you know. And he's um, my brother-in-law. And I married his sister, and that is how he became my brother-in-law. It's really, yeah, that's pretty much how that happened. I met him, I'd say, about four years ago, and he was a good little kid, you know. Was, being the keyword. (laughs) Yeah, was being the keyword. Good kid, a good head on his shoulders, and he's turned into quite quite the young man. Proud of him. Very proud of my little brother. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so today we're talking a little bit about Paul. And we have been in a series called Ordinary People, Extraordinary Things. And so last week, um, actually the last show we did was on Moses. And we talked about how Moses used every excuse in the book for God not to use him. Right? He said, I'm not skilled at speaking. I'm not skilled at rhetoric, and God gives him Aaron. So God trumps him in every, literally everything that he argued about. Today we're talking a little bit about Paul and how Paul was used in the same situation. Paul was used as someone who was seemed as an unlikely candidate, right? Because this guy was a persecutor of Christians. People forget this. Like, he murdered Christians, right? So Paul goes around and, and he does all these things in clear conscience, he says. You know, he persecutes the church. He's at the stoning of Stephen. And what's interesting here is in Acts chapter 2, a little bit about his conversion story. That's really interesting um, to me. Um, I think it's in Acts chapter 2. I'm in the right area. <laughs> yeah. Teresa's going to try to beat you there. She's got her She's got her bubble right here. Well, she probably will beat me. I don't think it's in the extra. If you know what I think about. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. It's actually in uh, Acts chapter 8. So, Acts chapter 8. 
and the conversion of Saul's in Acts chapter 9. And in chapter 8, it talks about Saul persecuting the church a little bit. He was at the stoning of Stephen, you know, did all that stuff. So I'm going to start in, um, just in the, in the beginning here, but I'll start in verse 3 here. As he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell. And he fell. Okay, there we go. I lost my <laughs> And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to a street called Straight and inquire at a house of Judas for a man named Tarsus, or a man, <laughs> a man named Saul from Tarsus. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he may regain his sight. And Ananias here, I love his response to God. He's like, Lord, I've heard many things about this man. He's like, I've heard, I've heard a little bit about the reputation of this guy, right? He's kind of shady. Are you sure you want to use this guy? Like, are you sure you want me to do this? Because I could pick any other person who would be more qualified. But you want me to pick this guy named Saul who goes out and kills Christians, right? But the Lord, his answer here is great. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings of the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I want to think a little bit about Paul's ministry and what he did for Christianity. You fast forward in Corinthians, and he talks about the idea of um, how much he has suffered for, the, for, for Jesus. You know, he's been stoned twice. He's been shipwrecked. He's worried mm -hmm. about the external concern of the churches, like all of it, man. Like, and I don't know, let's just expound on that anymore. What inspires you about Paul's character that connects back to how you view Christianity as God using imperfect people for perfect people? Well, and for one, especially is the fact that Paul was before, before Paul became, before Saul became Paul, excuse me, before Saul became Paul, he was, well, considered in this day and age the scum of the earth, you know. Here he killed a lot of people just for their religion. And if you look around the world, especially right now, it's if you disagree with someone, then you're instantly wrong. You don't have a second, you can't have opinion that doesn't agree with the, with the popular opinion. If you have an opinion that's, that's not, that is not popular, then you are considered to be probably ex worse than salt. Okay, well, let's expand on that, though, because it's not just that. You know, we have a tendency to say stuff, well, God can't, don't want that kind in the church, or God don't want that. Oh, goodness. Can't <laughs> use that kind of person. But, I mean, how many of us can say we've brought a murderer into the church and mm. they've converted tons of people? Yeah. I mean, this is somebody who literally, I mean, to the extent of killing people, and God still uses him in a huge way. Right. Well, he does, and so that's a really good point. So for us to be the ones to say that we, we can, God can't use somebody is kind of baloney. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I, I talked about it with an actual co a co-worker of mine a while ago. I said, Jesus paid much too high a price for us to pick and choose who should come. That's, that's a decision between God and the person. 
You, I remember you had a lesson a while ago when you were here preaching at the Church of Christ in Mile City. You were talking about how Jesus qualifies the called. Mm-hmm. Well, right there in itself, Jesus qualifies. We, we don't think we're good enough. God says, well, I got you covered. Boom, I got you covered. Boom, I got you covered yeah. on this. But I can't do, <clears throat> boom, I got you covered on this. But I can't do, you, you can't say that you're not qualified for anything when it comes to when it comes to God, when it comes to being a Christian, because God qualifies you to be the Christian There's, that He wants you to be, not exp- the Christians that the church wants you to be. Exactly. Well and kinda of expanding on that a little bit, like the the saying that I always saw in one of my in one of my rooms at York was God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right. And that's the saying in a nutshell. And that's how I think God works in a nutshell. Because, look, I don't know what I'm doing in ministry, but God does. Amen. You know? and, and some days when I'm preparing for a youth event or getting ready for leading worship, I always say that prayer before. Um, God, use me. Let them see you and let them not see me. My favorite mm-hmm. verse in the Bible, and I'm wearing this hat right now, <laughs> um, is John 3.30. And there's a saying out there in this called, He is greater than I. And John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. And the reason that's my favorite verse in the Bible, because if we look at every person God has used, Rahab, Sarah, Abraham, all these people come, David, all these people come from unlikely beginnings and have done amazing work for Jesus. And for the kingdom. Now in the Old Testament is for God and his kingdom. In the New Testament is for Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. But anyway, expand on that, Teresa. I know you want to say something. (laughs) Well, I I was just thinking, you know, like we keep talking about, you know, these people who have done, you know, committed murder or, you know, all this other stuff. But you can even go something less than that. I mean, we have a tendency to with children, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. But there are times where I had know I have been taught by my three-year-old rather than, <laughs> you know, like, he just says something out of the blue. Or one day, Cooper and I were in the store, and we could tell that this lady was just having a really rough time, and, you know, we were trying to figure out what we could do to help. And Cameron just walks up to her and gives her a hug and says, thank <laughs> you, and then comes back to us. Like, while we're standing there waiting to try yeah. and figure out what God wants us to do, God just took Cameron and just did it. You know, like, yeah. sometimes he uses people who are more open to that, and we have a tendency to be so closed-minded when it comes to who God can use. Definitely. That it takes an innocent soul, such as a three-year-old, to kind of slap you around a bit and be like, hey, pay attention, you know. Yeah, yeah. I talked a little bit when Austin Weber was on the show. We talked about David, right? And we talked about how when Samuel's going to anoint David, he has the cream of the crop to pick from. He has the big burly guys. He has his brothers that are big and muscular. He can pick anyone to be the next king. And what's interesting about this is Samuel picks David. David's in the back, right? He's tending the sheep. He, at the bottom of the barrel, and I use the example of, it's like Samuel would pick someone who is the youngest of the family, 
Well, like me, I guess. <laughs> and instead of picking like Jeremiah, who's big and burly, right? And in the same sense, God chooses Saul to do amazing things. And Ananias is like, are you kidding me? You want to get this guy? Dude, this guy has literally murdered children. Like, what? What are you doing, man? And, and it's really put out beautifully. Um, and this is not a sponsor, but in the Apostle Paul movie, they do this little thing where they show Paul persecuting all these people, killing Christians, etc. And then, towards the end, when, you know, when Paul's beheaded and, and when he, he's writing Acts and when he's or telling Luke what to write in Acts, he, he gets up to heaven and a little girl that he had persecuted runs up to him and embraces him. And I think that's beautiful because I think that really shows how God can use someone who's on the brink of failure and to blossom it into something great. Well, we have a tendency to look at the outside shell, whether it be a child or this big, strong, burly person or some somebody that we would consider from the bottom of the barrel. We yeah. have a tendency to look at the outer shell of that rather than looking at the heart. And God mm. chooses people for their heart, not for their strength or Thank their, goodness. their ability. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we... We think, well, we're not as good as this person, or we're not as good as that person. But God's going to use you no matter what, as long as you're opening up for Him to use you. If we well, totally yeah. shut God down before He even tries, then we're the one causing the problem, not God. Well, and He's going to use the talents that you have. And I think sometimes we, we miss that, especially within the church today. That's something we struggle with. We struggle with, well, how could God use me? Here, how could God use me in this situation? And I can't help but think about what Cooper, what you've done with, um, like your live streaming, right? And you have all your workers that are watching this, um, and and getting fed spiritually. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And sometimes I feel like people probably question you and say, "What? What type of impact are you going to have at a correctional facility? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you would be surprised, <laughs> you know." But you would be surprised. Well, and expound on that a little people, bit. Well, you'd be surprised at how many people that are in a correctional facility, they have this this per, per, persona of nothing nothing intimidates me, nothing scares me. <laughs> and yeah, you have to have that persona when you're working, but sometimes it, it just gets to that point where you're like, I am defeated. Mm. And a lot of a lot of people sometimes turn to alcohol, turn to other things, but a lot of them, you'd be surprised on how many of them would turn to God and just be like, okay, I need a moment, you know, God, grant me the serenity to just hold on a little bit longer. Yeah. It's 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 a surprising thing that I, I've had plenty of conversations with my coworkers about God, and they don't all believe the same way, and that's not for me to... To, to judge them for but all I know is is if they want me to talk to them about God and we can I share with them the knowledge that I have yeah, yeah. well and you know there's I, I know I have a really bad tendency sometimes to be like well God doesn't use me you know like he uses my husband because he's good with talking to people <laughs> and he makes people smile you know he uses my dad he's a preacher he uses my family there are you know tons of preachers in my family <laughs> But Literally. we have a hard time <laughs> seeing God. Family. 
use ourselves like when we're thinking about it we don't always see them as using ourselves but there are times where it's even the smallest of things that you know taking a plate of cookies over to the neighbor that's god using you whether you see it or not it is and it's it's sometimes it's easy to overlook that kind of stuff because it's nothing big and flashy like saving a whole bunch of people or whatever but it's just as important as somebody baptizing eight people you know Mm. It is. Because that and could be somebody else's foothold. I think that gets overlooked too a lot, Teresa, because when you when you look at you know, things that are um, big and grandiose and um, very obvious, right? You look at like wow, this guy's baptized like eight people. But they overlook the people that stay late at night at the church to clean. Uh, yep. They they do behind the scenes stuff. I think of my mom a lot about this, Teresa, or our mom, I should say. I don't know why I said my mom, but you know what I mean. I do that all the time. But anyway, I think of our mom, right? And our mom is really good at people skills, but she's almost better at doing behind the scenes things, right? Because she goes and she cleans the church building. And when I was younger, I'm gonna be honest, that frustrated me like so much. I was like, you want me to help you clean? What? That's not that's not serving. But when I look back at it and especially now that I'm in ministry one 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 day and I'll tell you a little bit of a story here. Someone pulled by the church, uh, knocked on my office door and they were like, "Hey, can we have some help? We got to shovel some rocks." And I'm like, "Well, that's okay. Yeah, sure. You know, I didn't expect to go out and shovel rocks today, you know. I'm not wearing like workout clothes to do that with. I'm wearing like a t-shirt and jeans and I'm like okay sure and I go out the back and literally just j- like giant rocks and they have a snow shovel and they're like well and and it was awesome because there was these two old ladies that were doing it they were grabbing the rocks hand by hand to, to oh, do man. a little and I thought that was so beautiful and when I was shoveling the rocks and getting it done we got it done in about 30 minutes and they were like, I want to thank you so much. You just helped us out so much. And that just reminded me that ministry is so much more than just standing in front of people and saying your peace. It's more than just going to church every Sunday. My goodness, right. ministry is something we do every day. And I think, I think if you guys don't know, uh, Cooper and my dad are correctional officers. And so they're faced with a tough task. Almost every day they're at work. And what I, what I inspire what inspires me about them is they still find ways to share the gospel. And it's it, it doesn't come across as I'm trying to shove something down your throat. We need to be careful when we share Jesus that we're showing love with it and that when we're sharing Jesus we're not trying to force something. Because at the end of the day it's their decision, right? And ministry, and again, is so much more than just standing up in front. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and this is something that, and this is one of my personal personal struggles, but it's something that, in, in all seriousness, it's, it's almost like the world ain't ready to have, okay, not the world, but the church itself. And when I say the church, I mean almost any, any church, any denomination, quote, you go to <laughs> is not ready to have this conversation. But I had this conversation with my wife, and I had this conversation with some of my coworkers all the time. I have a few friends who are homosexual. 
-hmm. And we have Bible, they give me Bible questions all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest Bible questions I always get from them is, well, where does it say in the Bible that homosexuality is sin? And I always tell them, I say, you go to Leviticus and you look up the story of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. I said, it'll tell you right there where, why is, where it's a sin, why it's a sin, how it's a sin. Right. And the church in general is always always skirts around that if they yeah. uh, if someone were to come in if someone were to come in the church here in Mile City and they were homosexual I I, I <laughs> half the half the members of the church's heads would blow up I just it means and, and I'm not saying that they're bad people or anything it's just you always you handle situations wrong yes you always handle yeah. that that's a big situation we react to a situation rather than acting with thought yes yeah. I think I think we do and, that a lot within the church and, and it's and way, it's not just it's not just with that either. There's a lot of things that a lot yeah. of people have problems with. And when it comes to the homosexuality thing and my personal thing, and this is like something I stress to all of my friends, despite what their what their orient what their sexual orientation is, I will never come at you with hate and malice because of the way you right. live your life. Right. And I I'm think never gonna, to I'm never gonna hit you over the head with the Bible. Right. I'm never gonna do anything in that way because I've I've learned that you don't do that. It's just you. You just be a nice human being. You can't be a. You can't be a nice Christian if you can't be a nice human being. No, that's true. And I think that's how we need to approach a lot of people who are struggling with sin, because at the end of the day, it's a struggle. Oh and, yes, amen. And every any sin, and you know any that put aside any sin that we deal with, it's got to be approached in love. And love is something, especially in 2020. I do not see us showing very much. And ministry is 95% love. If you look at how Jesus approached ministry and how Paul, how Paul was used, God saw Paul, loved Paul, and chose him. God does the same thing with us when we accept Jesus and are baptized. We are given that same mission. And I think that's important. But anyway, Teresa, want to say something? Well, I was just thinking, you know, you're talking about how it's 95% love. Well, why don't we challenge each other enough? You know, like, yeah. Cooper and I have been working really hard on, like, so we will write random cards and give them to certain people in church. Like, for me, I know that, like, teaching Cameron's class... I know of all people that Cameron can sometimes be a handful. He's a three-year-old, and he's mm -hmm. a three-year-old boy. So, yes, he's going to be a handful. Right. But, you know, like, mom teaching his class every Sunday and every Wednesday, to me, that is a huge help. I love being able to sit mm -hmm. in dad's class and have that study. So, sometimes even just, you know, challenging people to write a card to your, your child's teacher on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, or you know, sending a plate of cookies to thank them for what they've done. That makes it easier for people to want to do the job that they've been doing. Sometimes you yeah. feel like you're not acknowledged at all for whether it be cleaning or teaching or whatever. Mm. We always see these people praise the, you know, the preacher. And I'm not saying the preacher shouldn't get praised. They <laughs> should. But like, you know, like we praise them for this great lesson that they've had. But did you thank your child's teacher? Mm. Did you thank the people that made a meal for potluck? Did you right. thank the person who cleaned the bathrooms every day? You know, like, yeah. 
they're the and little things that we forget to thank for, but we always remember the big stuff. Yeah, and that's God using unlikely people right there, um, and using their unlikely job to have a likely outcome. And that's why I have loved just going through this series of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, because well, it's it, all throughout Scripture. Yeah, and there's. Uh, you just made me think of a song. It was a song by Stephen Chris Chapman called Do Everything. Yep. That is a great song for what you're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. It talks about how it's the little stuff, big stuff, in-between stuff. God sees it all the same. Yeah. And you can do everything you do to the glory of the one who made you. And I was just I got I have that song literally playing in my head yeah. right now and I'm like, this is this would be something to that you that you that you implement on and that's, that's something you can do. You can you yeah. can show God in everything you do. Just because just because you you're flipping burgers, just because you're working in the office, just because you're driving down the road, doesn't mean you can't show God. Mm. You can show God in everything you do. Yeah, definitely. The, so I want to ask you. Oh, thing, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I was just gonna say real quick. You know, the other thing is, is maybe try not to second guess God. You know, like I feel like in that yes. um, Ananias here is. You know, he's second-guessing God. Are you sure you mm. want this person? I mean, right. I, I've heard about this person. But when God asks us to do something, we shouldn't be the one to question it. He's got a reason for asking you to go to that person Amen. or getting you to that that position. Because he has a plan, and he can see it all. And if mm. we question it all the time, it's going to get done one way or another. And if you're on the wrong side of it, it's not going to turn out well. It definitely is, and that. And that's a really good point. And I, and I think a lot of times we, we do pull in Ananias. And we do, we do question God, you know. I, when I went to, when I made the decision to go to York, I, uh, I wanted to go to someplace that had mountains. Like, you know me. Like, I wanted, right. And so I picked Nebraska. I went to college in Nebraska. I didn't even know what corn looked like till I got to Nebraska, right? And so I, I questioned God a lot in that first process. And, and I talked about this a little bit in, in the last episode. Was I questioned God why I made that decision. I was like, did I make the right decision? You know, because my freshman year at York, I didn't do much. I stayed in my room, played way too many video games. You know, did, did stuff where well, I could have been doing something else. But then Christian, my sophomore year, I, I remember you decision. calling me that day. Yeah, I, I do. remember you calling yeah. me that day. You called us that day. I did. Your freshman year at college. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I made a pat. Too is, is you mentioned playing too much game, but I know that Cooper has reached more people playing. Oh, on definitely. His Xbox than oh no, I'm not I saying that. I'm not saying that as a ministry thing. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> Even when you don't think you're making a difference and you Definitely. think you're doing nothing, you're reaching people right. because that's and where God has put you for a reason. Exactly. And you know, and I had the same questions when I when I took a, this job in Idaho, but I see God working here and it's beautiful. And I see I see God working through your job, Cooper, through dad's job, through dad's ministry in Miles City. And What's hard is sometimes, you know, as humans, we want automatic results. We want people to turn away from their sin and just come right to church right away. But the reality of that is that's not how the world works. That's not how humans work. And sometimes God, you know, we plant a seed and then years later, that'll blossom. We're We're not called the water necessarily, 
we're called to plant it. God's going to see to that growth. And that's been something that I've been trying to champion the last couple of years. Because it's so hard for me to just let God take control sometimes. And so I guess my next question to you guys, what, in what ways have you helped center yourself back to God? What are some things that you do? Well, that is... It's a tough it's a question. Good question. I, I personally, there is music. Music is me. I, I listen to contemporary Christian music. I listen to acapella music. I listen to just instrumental music. And when I'm ever in a bad place, I will, I will always, I will, mm-hmm. despite what, despite what anybody thinks of me, that's fine. But I will always listen to. NF or Stephen Chris Chapman when I'm in a bad place. Yeah. Because I've listened to Stephen Chris Chapman for over 26 years, and I, I can I could name almost any song I think of that comes to mind when I think of him, and it always puts me back in recollection. It just puts me in this yeah. in this serene sense of calm where I am like, okay, I'm having a bad day. I need to take a step back. I need to stop. I need to get back on base with God. I need to focus on who who I want to be through God's eyes and who I want to be, who the world wants me to see. I want the world to see God through me first. And it, and it helps when I'm having a bad day. And not only do I have my wife here, but I have my son who definitely puts me in this perspective all the time. <laughs> yeah. He's a three-year-old, so he says, whatever is on his mind, Dad, you need to calm down. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, Cameron, thank you so much. And that's not what I'm thinking. In my head, I'm thinking, listen here, bud, I'm in charge. I can be upset <laughs> if I want to. But I, I, my, my son always, always corrects, corrects me. And, my, and it always, it's, it's not even in, it's just the innocence of it. And I'm like, okay, well, if my son can see that I need to calm down, I need to calm down. Right. If my wife can see that I need to calm down, I need to calm uh, down. Definitely. <laughs> and <No. laughs> if my wife and my son can see that I need to calm down, you know God's up there being like, you need to calm down. So, Teresa, what are some ways... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I kind of been doing three things. Mm-hmm. I know, a lot, but... <laughs> well, whatever like, works. I, I've been trying really hard to read more every day. Yeah. Like, just... First thing when I wake up, usually I read something. I don't care where it's at, what it is. I'm just going to read it. Mm-hmm. And then I try and think on that all day kind of thing. But also, I've been trying to monitor. So, like... When I get angry, I tend to spit stuff out, and it's never usually anything that's going to build you up. And so, like, if I'm going to say something, it's going to be positive. Or I'm not going to say anything at all. You know, like, if I've I've started to shut down and stop talking, that means that I'm past the point of no return, and I know if I open my mouth, I'm going to say something mean. Because I have a really bad tendency to say things, and then later I feel really stupid for saying it, because it wasn't something that needed to be said. I'm not going to bring Christ into the world by saying stupid stuff. And so I've been trying to monitor what I say more so. And, like, it shows in the way Cameron handles things, too. You know, like, when you think about um, monitoring what you say, sometimes we do it and we think, oh, well, I need to talk better. But I've also been trying to talk better and be nicer when I'm saying things because Cameron... Repeats everything, and yeah, he, he even repeats grandma and grandpa. You yeah. know, and so like, 
when you thank you for this or or you know you're saying your pleases and your thank yous and just being nice in general giving hugs or whatever he does that more mm. and sometimes he even like in the store jumps to things and gives hugs to people who need it before we do because he's watched us do it and so I, I feel like we can teach the next generation to be more positive if we are working on it better. So I, whatever I read in the morning, I try to apply to whatever I'm doing during the day. And if I can't say anything nice, I really do try to just shut up because it's yeah. not going to do me any good to say bad. Yeah, something that I always do, and, and that's really good, is I, I try to find moments in the morning usually when I'm drinking coffee because I'm a coffee-holic, I guess. Um, but when I'm making coffee or when I'm doing something like that, I have posted right above my door before I leave every morning. And this is a class that I'm leading the teens in here. It's called the Jesus Creed. And it's when Jesus amended the Jewish Shema, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And Jesus adds, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that, I recite that before I leave every day because it puts me in the mindset of, okay, today I'm going to go out. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love others. I have a little saying that I kind of adopted from my cousin Harold a little bit, but kind of switched it a little bit. So it's not plagiarism totally. But anyway, um, <laughs> mine is love God, share Jesus, live your mission. And that last part, live your mission, is one reason I recite that Jesus creed, the Shema, because it puts me in that mindset of today I'm going to go out, I'm going to love God, I'm going to love others. I might fail, I might mess up, but I'm going to try my best to show love to people. And it has changed the way I approach conversations with people because I'm willing to hear them out. And I think when we're trying to share the gospel with people, that's an important thing to do, is we need to understand that people are not at the same place in their spiritual walk Amen. as we are. I was gonna just say that we gotta, <laughs> yeah. we can't, we can't approach, we can't approach people with the mentality of, well, you're a Christian, so you're supposed to be right here with me on par. Right. It's like, no, we don't all run the race the same speed. No, we don't. We don't all run the. We don't. We some of us walk the walk, and we, we have don't to remember go the same that speed, it is but a, we're all on the same track. Yes, and this is the other thing is. It's a marathon, not a sprint. It is. Just it because is. someone, just because you're up here, so to speak, and this person's back here, doesn't mean this person is any less yeah. of a Christian than you are. Right. And I think that's and something hard for us to grasp in the church today. And it I, is. It's something it's, that we it's struggle. Difficult. It's something that everybody struggles with, and that's it is. human nature. It is. I mean, it's it's human it, it's human nature to be labeled the best. <laughs> Honestly. I find that when I like, so I. I've been trying to do little notes. So like when I'm thinking constantly of where I could leave a positive message for someone, whether it be in mom's Bible before her Bible class with Cameron or a note in Cooper's lunchbox or whatever. If I'm looking for little places where I can put a note to say I love you or whatever, you know, kind of like dad's um, lesson that he had that one year on Schmiley. Yep. I oh, see, see how much, much I, I love you. you. Yeah. That same idea, but it can be anything, whether it be a scripture for them to look up or yeah. just a thank you or an I love you. 
but when you're constantly looking for those little places to put those positive notes for other people, whether they're family members or not, Definitely. we have a tendency to look more towards the positive that way rather than yes. looking towards the negative all the time. Yeah, and that's and that goes to and uh, my family, my son and my wife have adopted this notion from your dad. The stuff my wife says it to me every time I leave the house. I love you and remember whose you are. Yep. And your dad <laughs> taught that to you guys, and now me and Teresa are teaching it to Cameron. Yeah. It's, and I love it's that, just saying, that way of saying. Well, and expanding on that a little bit. Growing up, me and Teresa would get irritated almost. Because we hear it every time. Like, I would leave to go to high school, and Dad's like, remember whose you are. I'm like, okay. And then I go to college. Remember whose you are. And it didn't hit me. Like, it hit me in college, but it didn't hit me until when Mom and Dad left me here. Before I started my first job in ministry, Dad looked at me and he said, I can't tell you, like, how much... Me and your mom are proud of you, but he, he told me, remember who's you are. And it did not stick with me until right now, because I look at that and it's like, the, the whole point of that is to not say, remember, you're my son. It's not a boasting thing, right? Like, I don't know why dad would want to boast that I'm his son, but anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but the whole point of it is like, especially when, when, we, think, when we think like Ananias, when we feel like we are not going to be used by God, that's when God turns around and says, I'm going to use you. Remember whose you are. Don't Remember you who you believe to. Who, you, who do you belong to? You belong to me. I'm going to use you. And so that's basically what I wanted to talk today about, about Paul. And this is a good caveat to end the video right here. So thanks for bringing that up. But I, I just want to encourage my listeners Remember who you are. Go out, live, you know, live for God, love others, love God, and allow God to use you. Because when you do, amazing things are going to happen. And I can't promise you that it's going to be an easy road, because it's not. 2020 has been a great example of that. Oh, it's not been an easy road. And yeah, yet we have struggled. <laughs> we have struggled with the idea of showing love to people. But I think it's important. And here's and here's the other thing you need to remember. As you guys go out live your lives, just remember that just because you're not, quote, qualified for this job doesn't mean that God can't qualify you for That's that right. Job. That's right. I had uh, a little story I want to share real quick for oh, you're Christian fine. Let's Us Go. Is, uh, I got asked by um, Uncle Bill, our uncle. He was uh, the the... I, I want to say headmaster, but that's not the right word. The coordinator for the Any Rally of 2019 last year. Or, no, actually, Any Rally 2020 this year. It was this year. No, it was last year. No, it was last year? No, it was this year. 2020s felt like 10 years, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> one of the years, last year or this year, Bill asked me, um, he wanted me to be one of the guest speakers. And the first thought, first thought that came into my mind was, ah! And... <laughs> 
I thought long and hard about it, and I told him, I said, well, you're going to need to he said, well, you're going to have to talk for about an hour on what it means to focus on God, and I was mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm, okay, so I, I called my dad um, in Alaska, because that's where my family lives, mm -hmm. and, I, and I told him, I said, dad, I'm going to have to talk to him and talk for an hour about focusing on God, and he's like, well, Cooper, I don't see how this is a problem, because you can talk for an hour in your sleep, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's thanks, <true>. that's, <laughs> but the thing is, I was not... I do not, and this is not degrading on myself, but I, I do not have a degree in preaching. <laughs> I don't I don't have a degree in preaching. I've never been to a Bible college before, but I stood up in front of those young kids, and I just let God work through me. Mm. And a lot of the kids were really appreciative of what I've had to say. A lot yeah. of the adults were really appreciative of what I had to say. I had, I actually had it recorded. My mom and dad thought I did a great job, and that's always a plus. Your dad said I did a great job. I got praised all around, and I'm like, okay, God, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, God, I get it. <laughs> it's just those things that we don't feel like we're qualified for. God's going to be yeah. like, well, here, this will be what I tell Amen. you to be. Amen. Well, and that's I the best way of doing it. I appreciate you guys being on the show tonight. We're going to have to wrap up here because I'm only allowed no problem. to record for 40 minutes. Because I try to give myself a timestamp to talk someone's yeah, ear off. That's but good, man. Anyway, <laughs> so this uh, we're recording this on Friday today. We didn't have an episode. Usually we have an episode Monday, Wednesday, Friday. This episode will go up on Monday. And I don't know why I'm saying that because when I put it up there, it'll already be up there. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but thank you guys so much for being on a piece of the bread podcast. I'm Christian. My name's Cooper. And I'm Teresa. Thank you for listening. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. God bless. Love God. Share Jesus. And live your mission. Peace out. Peace is the Bread Podcast. Love God. Share Jesus. Live your mission.